Hi, Saints. Welcome to a special edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. This message will be shared by my brother in Christ, Apostle Frederick K.C. Price Sr. Recently, I taught a six-part series entitled, Know Your Enemy, Satan. So far, over 320 saints have been blessed by this message. To God be all the glory. As I was searching through my library for my personal spiritual enrichment and edification, I came across a CD by Apostle Price entitled, The Devil, Demons, and What You Can Do About Them. So I listened to the two CDs, and to my surprise, our messages are similar. Now, because the topic about Satan is so important, I decided to share Apostle Price's message with you as well. Now sit back and be blessed. Now, today we're going to start a very important study. It will be in two parts. I will not be able to finish it in one session, but we will, I believe, be able to handle it in two sessions. Now, as Christians, we are engaged in a titanic struggle with the forces of darkness. And uh, it is essential in order for us to be able to motivate through this life in a way of victory and in a way that will bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know the battleground that we are fighting on and we need to know the enemy that we are in opposition to. We do have an enemy. Christians do have an enemy. And we need to understand our enemy. We need to know what the enemy is, if it is a what. We need to know who the enemy is, if it's a who. We need to know how the enemy works, if he works or if it works. In other words, in order to be successful in a warfare, then we need to know our weapons and we need to know the terrain in which we are engaged in battle and we need to know the enemy. And unfortunately, too many Christians are not aware of the fact that they are in a battle, that they are in a warfare. And there, is a, there are no holes barred in this war. And this war is to the death. And the death that's up for grabs is your death. The enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy Jesus, but he can't get to Jesus but he'll try to get to us because we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are the representatives of the kingdom of God. We are the family of God, and this enemy wants to get to us. Now, the title of this series is going to be The Devil and Demons and What You Can Do About Them. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about the devil. Oh, Brother Price, Brother Price, we shouldn't talk about the devil. We shouldn't glorify the devil. We're not glorifying the devil when we talk about the devil. We are exposing him for who he really is. We're not glorifying him. Well, we're trying to pinpoint where he is, who he is, and how he operates so that we can adequately defend ourselves against this enemy. Now, there are many, and I'm sure some who are even watching me now, who don't even believe in the devil. They don't believe that there is such a person as the devil. But I tell you what, I am of this persuasion. I'm really not interested in what they say. You know, they told me so many things down through the years that weren't true until I really don't want to hear what they say. 
You know, I've always heard, well, you know, they say, who in the world are they anyway? And who gave they the authority to tell us? You know, you hear that? Well, you know, they say, who in the world is they? I want to know what God says. I want to find out what does the word of God say on the subject or does the word of God say anything on the subject? I don't want to go by what the churches say or what the denominations say or what the theologians say or what the preachers say or what Fred Price says. I want to go by what the Bible says. Now, if Fred Price says what the Bible says, we're in business. But how are you going to know whether or not what Fred Price says or anybody else, whether what they say is what the Bible says, unless you first of all know what the Bible says. And so we want to check the Bible out and find out about this person. And everybody's heard the name before. But in society, we have kind of made a cartoon caricature out of him. You see him on an orange Julius stand in a red suit with a long tail and a pitchfork and horns. We call this the devil. Or we see it in cartoons or in funny books or comic books or newspaper comic strips. Or we see him in certain kinds of movies. And, and it's just kind of a joke, really. You know, it's a big joke. But is it really true that it's a joke? Or is this idea or concept of the devil, is he really true? He is true. And unfortunately, he is winning far too many battles that he ought to be losing when it comes to the family of God. So we want to find out about the devil and demons and what you can do about them. Because whether you know it or not, you can do something about them. Amen. In fact, you better do something about them because if you don't do something about them, something's not going to be done about them because it's up to you and it's up to me. Now, I think the first thing that we ought to do is to establish as best that we can from the Word of God the origin or the beginnings of this personage that we will see. In fact, when I get finished with this, I'm going to show you about 60 different passages of Scripture that talks about the devil. 60 of them, at least 60. Different passages in the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, about what the Bible says about the devil, what God says about the devil, what Jesus says about the devil. I've heard people say, oh, Brother Price, there's really no devil, no personal devil. The idea of the devil is simply a state of mind. It is a conceptual idea, conceptualized by religionists, to cause us fear and to be afraid. But there really is no such person as the devil. Tut, 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 Brother Price. It's simply a figment of man's imagination. Well, hey, you know, that, that could be true. You know, it's possible that that could be true. But we can't afford to base it on what they say or what I say. I want to let this book be my final line of authority. Are you agreed to that? Are you agreed to that? Let's just find out what the Bible says. Don't take what your preacher says. Let's forget about the preacher right now. Let's forget about the church right now. Let's forget about the denomination right now. Let's forget about theology right now. Let's forget about hermeneutics and homiletics and all the rest of the stuff. Let's forget about all of it. And let's just go by what the B-I-B-L-E says. Let's let that be the final line of authority. If it doesn't say anything about it, forget it. But if it does, if it does, then we're going to have to do something. All right, let's go back to the book of Isaiah. Now, many times, as I say, you've heard the term the devil or Satan and all of that. What does it really mean or does it really mean anything? Does the Bible really say anything about it? And who is this person? If he is a person, who is this individual called Satan? Let's find out, does the Bible say anything about it? 
We want to find out, first of all, and we want to establish first the fact of Satan or the devil, because you will find that the word Satan and devil, they are aliases talking about the same person. But we want to deal, number one, with the fact of Satan and who he is from the standpoint of the Bible. Because, see, you're in a warfare as a Christian. You may not realize it. You may not know it, but you're in a warfare. And this person, and we'll find this out as we go along, this person called the devil is the one that's been beating your brains out. And you've been blaming God for it. See, you've been accusing God and saying, the Lord did this to me, or the Lord put that on you. I, I just heard just this morning, before I came into this service, I was watching a television broadcast, a religious television broadcast, and I heard the minister saying that God leads us through the ballast. Yes, Christianity is not a bed of roses. And your Christian life is not always going to be on a high plane. Sometimes God leads us through the valley. Well, is that true? Then he turned right around and said the devil was the one breaking your head. But he said God leads you through the valley. Well, we've had this down through the years. Folks been saying, well, the, the Lord did it to me. Then there's some folks said, well, that's them black folks. That's the problem. Whether we get rid of them black folks, we won't have so many problems. They want to blame the black folks. It's the black folks' problem. They're the problem. Then somebody else said, well, if we get rid of them white folks, I mean, it's them white folks, they're the problem. And then you know, surely, if we can get rid of those, 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 those red people and them yellow folks and them brown ones, we'll have everything all right. We can get rid of them, then our problem would be over. Friend, I got news for you. Your problem is not a black problem or a white problem or a red problem or a brown problem or a yellow problem. Your problem is the devil problem. And you better find out about it. You better find out about it. Amen. Now, the devil may, may use the white folks and the black folk and the red folk and the brown folk and the yellow folk. He'll use them. He'll use anything you let him use to get to you and then try to convince you that it's the person that's the problem when in fact he's the problem. But once you find out who the enemy really is, and when you find out the authority that you have in the name of Jesus and what you can do about him, I don't care who the person is coming down the street, the devil in them will not be able to do a thing to you if you know who you are in Christ. No way will he be able to do anything to you. Now, let's establish the fact. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's see what the Bible says about this personage that we are referring to as the devil and or Satan. Isaiah 14, we'll begin reading at verse 12. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So we see here someone referred to as Lucifer. Verse 15 says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now notice in the 12th verse it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now, write that name down somewhere, write it in the margin of your Bible or underline it or whatever, because that's his technical name. That's his given name. When he was created in the beginning, he was called Lucifer. That is his name. His perverted names we'll get into later. The word devil and the word Satan, those are perversions. 
the name that he was given when he was created as an angelic being was Lucifer. And notice what it says here. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven? So we know then that this is not an earthly being. This is not a human being. It's a heavenly being. It says, how art thou fallen from? Didn't fall from earth, fell from heaven. Hmm? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? That's what he was created to be, the son of the morning. Literally, he's called and was called the bright star or the day star. Now, he's not called the bright and morning star. That's Jesus. But he was called the day star or bright star. But he's not the bright and morning star. That's Jesus Christ. That was his original name. But we see here, O Lucifer, son of the morning. All right, let's look also at Ezekiel chapter 28. The 28th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. We're seeing what the Bible says. Now, in the 28th chapter of Ezekiel, we'll begin reading at verse 11, and uh, we'll see what this has to say about this person called Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, this term Tyrus, or king of Tyrus, is also a term that is used to describe this person that we just read about in Isaiah called Lucifer. This word Tyrus, king of Tyrus. Now, you'll be able to see it in a minute. When we read a little bit further, you'll see that this couldn't be talking about an earthly king as such. Now, watch. Verse 11 again. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, there's an alert to you right there. See, this couldn't be an earthly king. Because, you see, once Adam was the man that was created, Adam and Eve, and placed in the Garden of Eden. When Adam was put out of the Garden of Eden, there wasn't anybody else going into the Garden. Because the Bible said that God placed an angel with the flaming sword at the entrance to the Garden and said, ain't nobody going in and ain't nobody coming out. And so this says this man was in the Garden. Well, you know who that was? That was Satan. And we'll see that a little bit later when we read the account in the Garden of Eden. But notice what it says about him here. It says... Verse 12 again, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Cherub is a cherubim. Cherubim is an angel, not a man, not an earthly king. He said he was the anointed cherub that covereth. And that word cherub is short for cherubim, and that is a designation of an angelic being, not an earthly king. Okay, so that alerts you also to the fact that this was a supernatural being, uh, one beyond the realm of flesh and blood. All right, verse 14 again. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, 
from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Now, this is a description of this angelic being called Satan. Now, we don't know all that this description has to do with. There is a, an idea, and uh, I, I will present it to you now. You don't have to accept this. This is not, I can't back this up with the Bible now. I'm getting off into saying what I believe. Now, I'm just giving you what I believe. I just read what the Bible said, okay? But there is, there is revelation knowledge that God gives, and I believe that in my spirit I, I understand some of this, but it, your salvation is not based on it, so don't get uptight about it. If, if after I tell you you can't receive it, don't worry about it. But it, it satisfies me in giving me a connection between what we just read in Isaiah and in Ezekiel. It appears that God, when he created this world, originally... Satan, or the bright star, or Lucifer, was placed in charge of this earth realm. It appears also that there were beings of some sort that lived in this earth realm before Adam. I said beings now. I didn't say man as we know man today. I said beings, okay? Because, you see, one alert to that is that when you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning. If you read from the King James Bible, literally in the Hebrew, it says in beginning. It doesn't say the, it says in beginning. In the beginning was, or in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then in verse 2, it says, and the earth was without form. Why would God create something without form? It says the earth was without form and void. Why would God create a void? And then it says, there was darkness upon the face of the deep. Actually, literally, in the Hebrew, it says there was chaos. Well, God doesn't create chaos because chaos is confusion, and the Bible says God's not the author of confusion. Hmm? It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved or hovered or brooded above the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Then he said, Let the dry land appear. Why would God create a world, submerge it in water, and then call the ground to come up out of the water to make continents and islands. That seemed like going putting the horse in front of the, or the cart in front of the horse. Looked like it'd be easy to create the world, form the valleys, mountains, and all that, and then fill it up with water. But when we look at verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, the whole earth is covered with water. Now, why would God create a globe, physical terra firma, earth, and then fill it up with water, then call the ground to come up out of the water? But now what I believe that happened was that this being, see this man we just described, this angel, not a man really, but this angel, this angelic being, Satan was in charge of this earth realm. His job was to bring praise and worship of these creatures, whoever they were here in this earth realm, to bring their praise and their worship and their adoration to God. That was his job. Somehow, because of his beauty, because he was a very beautiful angel. In fact, he was the most beautiful angel that God had created. And it says right there, because of his beauty, his pride got in the way. And he got lifted up in pride. He thought he was so pretty and so beautiful that this praise and adoration of these creatures that was going up and being directed to God, he ought to get some of that. So he said, I'll exalt my throne above the throne of God. I'm going to get in on some of this. I'm going to get a piece of the action, a slice of the pie, if you would. 
and I'll get some of this praise. And so he became perverted, and in that it blasted not only himself, but it plunged this whole earth realm into a chaotic condition. And actually what we see in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 2 to the end of the chapter is really not the story of creation, but it is the story of restoration out of the chaos that came as a result of Satan's apostasy and rebellion against God. Now that's kind of heavy, I know. But don't, don't, don't worry about it. I mean, don't get up, uptight over it. Uh, it may take you a while to get into that. But it, at least it gives us a, a sort of a striking order of the events, how things happen, see? Because, if, like I say, if you read Genesis very carefully from verse 2 of the first chapter through the rest of the chapter, the only thing that's really created are animals and man. Everything else, God said, let the earth bring forth. Let the earth bring forth the tree that bears fruit, so forth and so on. You know why? Because in that chaos, when Satan sinned, it destroyed everything in this earth realm and plunged it into darkness and chaos. See, when God created the earth, he didn't create it in darkness because there's no darkness in God. How could he create something in darkness when the Bible says he is light? Huh? But it says that the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And water covered the entire earth, the waters of destruction that had come as a result of this apostasy and this rebellion that this creature had created because of his beauty and his pride. As a result of it, it destroyed everything. Because, see, you have to account. Now, I'm getting ready to say something. You're going to have to account now for the dinosaurs. Now, I will agree that there is a lot of discrepancies in the so-called Piltdown man and all these other so-called people that they, these cavemen, there, 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 some of these things, there have been some fabrication that's been proved that there have been some lies told to try to perpetuate this idea of the origin of man. But honey, them bones that them men dug up out of the ground, they didn't fabricate them bones. Those are bone bones. Huh? You go check them out. Those are bone bones from animals. And we have in the 4,000 years from the time of the Garden of Eden up until now, actually 6,000 years, 4,000 from Adam until Christ, and approximately another 2,000, 6,000 years of recorded biblical history, there have been no animals such as Tyrannosaurus rexes and Brontosauruses and pterodactyls that have lived upon the face of the earth in the last 6,000 years. Those bones had to come from somewhere. I believe that those bones and those animals existed in the pre-Adamic earth before the earth was plunged into chaos as a result of this man, Satan, or this uh, spirit being, this angelic being, Satan. And those bones were destroyed, those animals were all destroyed because of that sin, and every living thing was destroyed, the Bible said. And so then after that, God said, let the, uh, the, gr the ground bring forth and the tree bring forth fruit trees and the grass and all of that. The only thing that God created in the first chapter of Genesis were the animals and man. At the end of the sixth day, God created man was the last thing that he created. And then he, and he said this to Adam. If you'll read it, he said, now, he created them, male and female, and he said, now, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Replenish. Replenish implies do it again. Replenish means do it again. It means that it must have already been something there. Now he's saying do that again. Fill it up again. Replenish. He did not, if, if it was the beginning or the first, he would have said, now, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But he said, replenish the earth, which means the earth must have been plenished in the first place. Something happened that the plenish went away. Now it needs to be replenished. 
Are you still with me? Are you still here? All right. Now, that's, that's, heavy, that's heavy teaching, but don't get upset about it. If you can't accept it, don't turn off just because of that. That's not all that I'm going to say. You got that, brother? So don't, don't get upset. He's like, I disagree with that. Fine. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But I'm just giving it for those who have ears to hear. They can hear it. Those that don't, well, you just sit and ride. You'll get something here in a little bit. All right. Now turn to another passage of Scripture, the book of Job, the first chapter of Job. See, we're talking about the origin of the devil or Satan. Actually, we know that his technical name is Lucifer. He's a being. We read it there in the Bible. It's not a theological concept. We read it in the Bible. Call him Lucifer, son of the morning. All right? Now, in the book of Job, whether you realize it or not, the book of Job is one of the oldest books that's ever been written. Very, very ancient book. You see, sometimes when you read certain books of the Bible, it didn't mean that book was written the day after the event happened. Sometimes the book was written many, many years after the events happened. But as far in terms of chronology, the book of Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. Now, this is what, this is what it says in the book of Job. In verse 6 it says, first chapter of Job, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So we realize then that this being must have been in existence, Satan. He's called Satan here. That's one of the aliases. And you'll see that as we go through these studies, you'll find out that he's called the devil and he's called Satan and Lucifer, but Lucifer is his technical name. But now notice what it says here. It says that there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. So Satan was in operation here at this particular time or at this particular stage in human history. Now turn to Genesis, the third chapter. Now putting all these together, these uh, Job and this one that we're going to read in Genesis and then the one in Isaiah and in Ezekiel, you put them all together and you get a composite drawing, as it were, of this individual called Satan and Lucifer. Now somebody said, I don't believe in the devil, Brother Price. Well, I don't believe in him either, but I sure believe that he's around, he exists. My faith's not in him, but I certainly don't. That's dumb to say I don't believe in the devil. You're saying you're smarter than God. God believes in the devil. What? Yeah. God believes in the devil. We just read God's book, God's word, and God's word said Satan came in before God, presented himself before the Lord with the sons of God. Well, if God didn't believe in the devil, why did God write the devil in the book? Huh? So, you say you don't believe in the devil. That's what the devil wants you to do. Believe that he doesn't exist. So he can keep on whipping your head and you'll keep on blaming God for it. Making God your problem when it's not God at all. All right? Now, here in Genesis chapter 3, this is after the creation of the, the original creation and then the restoration of the earth and then the creation of man and the making of the Garden of Eden and putting the man in the garden. And then as a result of that, something else happened. See, remember now that when this Lucifer was banished, he said, remember the scripture said, we read it there, said, how art thou fallen from heaven? Well, when he fell from heaven, where did he fall? See, he was, he Actually, uh, this is another thing, we have to get into this a little bit later, but really Satan 
Satan hasn't been technically, completely banished from heaven. Now, let me explain that. The Bible refers to three heavens. You're getting some heavy stuff today, but there's no extra charge. You get this at the same admission price, you'll get the, you get the same lesson. Now, there, there, the Bible talks about three heavens. There is the atmosphere around this earth that's referred to as the firmament. It's referred to in the Bible as the heaven. Then there's another area where God Almighty dwells or lives. It's referred to as the third heaven. There's not seven heavens. Sorry to burst your bubble. There's no such thing in the Bible as seven heavens. Amen. Talks about three. Unos, dos, tres. Three heavens. All right? Now, the heaven where God the Father dwells and where his throne is and where the golden city is is referred to as the third heaven. Okay? Then, the heaven around the earth, that is the first heaven. Then there's a heaven in between the heaven where God lives and the earth realm that is referred to in the Bible as the heavenlies. The heavenlies. It is in between, if you could, think of it this way. It's in between the heaven of heavens and the heaven that is around the earth. It's called the heavenlies. Now, when Satan was cast down from his position as bright star or son of the morning, he was cast out of his position in the third heaven, and he was cast out into the heavenlies. Now, as a result of him being in charge of this earth realm and the creatures that were here and in bringing worship and praise unto God from this earth realm, then also his position in the earth realm was blasted. Whatever that was that he had here in the earth realm, he was blasted from that. He lost that position. So he, he, he was cast out from his position that he held as an angelic being in the third heaven. However, he has been cast not out of the heavenlies yet, but he's been cast out of the third heaven into what is called the heavenlies. From the position of the heavenlies, he has access in two directions, both to the third heaven and also to the earth realm. Now, there is coming a day, and it's described in the book of Revelation, where he will be cast out of the heavenlies altogether into the earth realm. That will be the only place he'll be able to go is in the earth realm. But right now, he has access both to the third heaven and to the heaven that surrounds the earth. His main place of abode and his headquarters are located in the area in the heavenlies, and he has access both to the heaven of heavens and the earth. Now, let me say it this way, and you might be able to understand a little bit better. Think of a salami sandwich. I'm serious. Think of a salami sandwich. Two slices of bread and a piece of salami. You take one slice of bread, you put a piece of salami on it, you put another slice of bread on the top of it, and you have a salami sandwich. Okay? Now, the salami is in between the two slices of bread. However, the salami touches both slices of bread, both the top slice of bread and the bottom slice of bread, yet it is a separate entity. It is salami, not bread, but salami. But it touches the bread on the top and the bread on the bottom. Think of the top slice of bread as the third heaven. Think of the salami as the heavenlies, and think of the bottom slice of bread as the heaven that surrounds the earth. Satan operates in the salami area, and he has access to the bread both at the top and the bottom. Can you understand that? 
If you can't understand that, there's no hope for you. <laughs> Just forget it. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to illustrate this in the simplest way that I know how to illustrate it, okay? Now, there is coming a day when Satan will be totally and completely cast out of the heavenlies. And he'll have no more access to any heavenly place, either the heavenlies or the third heaven. Now, you may say, well, I disagree with that, Brother Price. The devil has been cast out of heaven. Oh, wait a minute now. All right, let's, let's examine it. Let's examine it. Now, we just read here in the book of Job where it says there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Where do you think the Lord was when the sons of God came to present themselves before him? Huh? I believe they were in the third heaven. The sons of God are angelic beings. They're angels. They're not sons of God in the sense that we're sons of God. But they're called sons of God in that sense because they are the creations of God. And they came to present themselves in the throne room of God. And Satan was there in the throne room. Not only that, but if you read the book of Revelation, it also talks about the accuser of the brethren. And it says that he accuses us before the Father day and night. Well, the Father is in the third heaven and Satan has access to it, but he can't live there. He can't take up any abode there, but he does go there and he has access there now during this dispensation to accuse us before the Father. But there is coming a day when he will be extradited, if you would, into this earth realm and that'll be the only place that he'll be able to operate in until such time as he is cast into the lake of fire. Okay, are you still there? All right, are you still, you still following me now? All right, now here in Genesis chapter 3, this is after again, this is after the original creation, the restoration and the creation of Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve placed in charge of the garden. Verse 1 of the third chapter. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And then you know the rest of the story. Now that was Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Now don't ask me how he took upon himself the form of a serpent. I don't know. But to me, it's no big thing. I've been watching cartoons, and somehow man is able to make snakes and dogs and cats and lions and bears and everything else talk on the screen. I guess if man's smart enough to do that, surely Satan can do that. Huh? You never seen a talking dog? Huh? You never seen talking animals on the cartoons? Well, sure you have. I've seen animals talk, porky pig talks. Mickey Mouse talk? You never heard of a mouse talking until you heard of Mickey Mouse. He talked, Donald Duck talks, isn't that right, that animal? Well, if men can do that, not only make them talk, animate them, make them move, well, Satan can do that. I mean, angelic beings are at least as smart as men, and if men can make you think animals are talking, hmm? I mean, I've seen men sit on a stool and make a piece of wood talk, or make it look like it's talking, sound like it has its own voice, make its mouth move. They call them ventriloquists. You've never seen that? I mean, it looks so real, you get captivated by watching the dummy. You're looking at the dummy. And I mean, the dummy's rapping to you in a different voice than the man speaking. That's pretty clever, isn't it? Well, if man can do that, surely even the devil can be a ventriloquist. Hmm? I don't know how this happened. But listen, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, now notice that it called it this, this serpent a he... And the serpent spoke and said, Yea, hath God said? They came here to cast doubt 
on the word of God. Now notice the term serpent, underline that term. Now notice that we've seen the word Lucifer, we've seen the word king of Tyrus, we've seen the term Satan. Now we see the term serpent. Well, Satan does have aliases. Now let's find out from another scripture though about these aliases. Turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation. Chapter 12. We're talking about the devil and demons and what you can do about them. Now of all the messages that Satan hates, this is the one he hates the most. Because this is the one that exposes him for who he really is. Amen. If you feel yourself getting real sleepy, just shake yourself. Just know that's the devil. That's right. He doesn't want you to hear this. He doesn't want you to find out what I'm going to tell you. Because when we get finished, we will have exposed him. And he'll be standing out there, stark naked. He'll never be able to hide from you again. You'll know exactly who he is. You'll know who the problem is. You'll know who the enemy is. And so if you feel yourself getting real sleepy, just shake yourself and just pinch yourself. That's the devil trying to put you to sleep. Amen. He hates this message. He doesn't want this to get out. Because once he's exposed, then he's through lording it over you. He's through dominating your life. Amen. Once you find out who he is, see. All right, now here in the book of Revelation, we'll look at the 12th chapter, and uh, we'll begin reading at verse 7. Now watch. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Now this hadn't happened yet, in my opinion. This hadn't happened yet. This is that final thing that I'm talking about when he's going to be cast out completely, totally into this earth realm. Now he's been cast out of the heaven of heavens. His place of operation is the heavenlies. But there will come a day when he'll have no more access to the heaven of heavens or to the heavenlies. He'll be totally in the earth realm. Now watch. Verse 9. And the great dragon, underline the word dragon, was cast out. That old serpent, underline serpent, called the devil, underline devil, and Satan, underline Satan, which deceiveth, underline deceiveth, the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now notice who he's called. Notice all these aliases. He's called the dragon. He's called the serpent. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. He's called the deceiver. Referring to the same person, same individual. That's also the person that we first read about named Lucifer, also called the king of Tyrus. Those are aliases. Now here you see basically all of them right here in one verse. Dragon, serpent, devil, Satan, deceiver. Now go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you'll understand now who the serpent is. He's called the serpent. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord, or which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Now I believe that this serpent also was an animal... But Satan, see, this is, see, a snake is a very sly creature, slithers around and, you know, a very silent moving creature. And, you know, before you realize that he's there and he's wrapped his tentacles or wrapped his body around you, depending on the kind of snake it is. And, and that's a characteristic of Satan. And that's why he is called a serpent. And I believe that somehow he used, I don't know whether he was being a ventriloquist or what, but this animal spoke to the woman. 
and uh, tricked her, conned her. Actually, what he did is he got her to back off the Word of God. He got her to compromise God's Word. He got her to trifling with the Word of God. He began to suggest things about the Word that were not true. See, the very first approach he made to her is, Yea, hath God said? See, he knew what God had said to her. But you see, if he could get her to question it, if he could get her to doubt it, and that's the same thing he'll pull on you. That's the same garbage that he'll try to put on the Christian. He'll say, did God really mean that you could be healed? I mean, is healing really for us today? See, hath God said? And she, she played the game and listened to him and fooled around and messed up and then got her dumb husband to mess up. And, he, and then when he did it, that really got us in, in trouble. It plunged the whole human race into a problem. Now, if she had done it, it wouldn't have been any problem. But she tricked Adam into doing it because, see, the, de the devil is clever, see. He knew he couldn't get to Adam, but he could get to Adam through the woman. Many men have been gotten to through the woman. I mean, that's how I got married. My wife chased me and chased me and chased me and chased me, and she finally wore me out, and I just said, yes, woman, yes, I'll marry you. <laughs> A woman. Oh, no, praise God for women. Thank God for good women, good wives, good mothers. Praise the Lord. But that's what happened. He came to the woman. He didn't come to Adam. He came to the woman. And he tricked her. She listened to his lie, to, her, to his distortion and deception concerning the word of God, and it plunged the earth into chaos and into sin. Now notice, he calls him the serpent. All right, now we've read in Revelation, we found out that he's called the dragon, the serpent, devil, Satan, deceiver. Those are his aliases. Now look at Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll find out. See, what we're doing now is we're locating him who he is, what he is. That's the first thing we have to establish, the existence of Satan. Like I say, he doesn't like this. He, he'll try to keep himself quiet. He'll try to keep preachers from preaching about it because he doesn't want anybody to know about him because when you start talking about him, you expose him. Some folks think you're glorifying the devil. We're not glorifying the devil. We're exposing the devil. Amen. Once we get him exposed, you'll be the one to stop glorifying him. Amen. A lot of folks are always talking about what the devil can do. They have more confidence and faith in the devil than in anybody else. Amen. Just irks me. Just gets in my spiritual crawl. It does. People always criticize him. They don't even know. There's nothing but petty jealousy and envy. And preachers always, first thing they want to do is call you Satan or call you a Jim Jones. That's right. I have them call me like, uh, you a deceiver. Uh, you a Jim Jones. See, what they're saying, and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. What they're doing is saying that the devil is bigger than God. They're saying the devil's the only one that can get people to come to church at 4.30 in the morning and stand in line for 8 o'clock service. Oh, God couldn't do that. No, but the devil, he can draw a bigger crowd than God can. That's what they're saying. You fill the church up and they say, well, he's just getting the people because he's a Jim Jones. He's just like Jim Jones. They're just like you're glorifying the devil. And what they're doing is they're saying that the devil's bigger than God. 
Now, you, you can't preach the Word of God. You can't be for real. You can't tell the truth and get a crowd. You got to be the devil in order to get a crowd. Isn't that pathetic? I'm talking about you, dumb preacher. I've been saying that. That's really all is a little petty jealousy. Why don't you come and find out how many people get saved every Sunday? Why don't you come and find out how many people get filled with the Holy Spirit every Sunday? Huh? So you talk about glorifying the devil. That's what glorifies the devil. That's what gives comfort to the enemy to say, in essence, that he's the only one that can draw a crowd. You can't preach the uncompromising word of God and get people to come to church. You can't get folks to come and stand in line to get in church to hear the true word of God. It's got to be counterfeit. It's got to be a, a, a devil. It's got to be somebody in league with the devil. I mean, God, I mean, after all, God can't get a crowd, can he? God, Jesus? You mean people going to come to church at 4 o'clock in the morning and stand in line to hear about Jesus? No. But they will to hear about the devil. That's what they're saying. They don't even realize. You ought to button your lip. You can't tell the difference between the devil. And Jim Jones and Fred Price, you are sick. You are sick. You are sick. <laughs> Amen. All right, in Luke chapter 4. We're talking about the devil and demons and what you can do about them. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the who? Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. So then the devil must be the tempter and not God. Well, the Lord is tempting me. Dummy, that's the devil. You don't even have enough sense to know it. Listen, listen, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Well, now, wait a minute. If the devil didn't exist, how could Jesus be tempted for 40 days by somebody that's non-existent? And you've got churches and people that tell you there is no devil, tell you there's no such thing as the devil. It's all a state of mind. It didn't say that Jesus was tempted by a state of mind for 40 days. You know why you're laughing? Because it's stupid. That's why it is. It's just, you need to laugh at it. That's all you can. You can't be serious about it. It's too stupid to be serious. You have to laugh at it. The book said, the Bible said it, God said it. I didn't. Crenshaw Center didn't. The Bible said it. Listen, being tempted or being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he, Jesus, did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, oh, we just read that in the Garden of Eden, he did the same thing to Eve. And the serpent said, and the serpent said, we found out from Revelation chapter 12 that the serpent and the devil are one and the same. Isn't that right? And the very, very thing that he came to Eve and said, hath God said? He's using the same tactics on Jesus. He'll use the same tactics on you. He's tried the same garbage on me. That's his same modus operandi. Look at it. Being 40 days, verse 2, 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward a hungered, or afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God. Now you know the devil knew who Jesus was. That's why he was out there to get him. But see, if he can cause Jesus to doubt who he is, that if thou be the Son of God. He knew who Jesus was. He knows who you are. But if he can trick you, 
into doubting who you are, he'll bum your life out. He'll say, are you really a Christian? Why, if you were really a Christian, see, then you go to say, well, I guess I'm not a Christian. <laughs> then he's got you right where he wants you. You need to learn and know who you are. He'll use the same tactic. If thou be the son of God, I mean, if you're really a Christian, and if you're really a Christian, I mean, he uses the same tactic. Listen, verse 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, the who? Underline the word. And the devil taketh him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, the who said? Devil. The devil said unto him, All this power or authority will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Now I want you to notice, this is not a part of this lesson, but just in passing, I want you to realize that Jesus did not contest the devil's ability to give him these kingdoms. Because if the devil, in fact, was lying about it, and if the devil, in fact, could not give Jesus these kingdoms and all the glory of them, then it wouldn't have been a legitimate temptation to Jesus. Because if he couldn't yield to it, he couldn't be, it wouldn't be a temptation. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It is no temptation to me to get pregnant and have a baby. It's no temptation at all. The devil couldn't tempt me to get pregnant. I'm not trying to be funny. That's not a temptation. It's not legitimate. I couldn't yield to it if I wanted to. If you can't yield to the thing, it can't be a temptation. Huh? If he came to me and said, now I'll give you all these kingdoms if you get pregnant, that wouldn't be a temptation. I can't get pregnant if I wanted to. That wouldn't be a legitimate temptation, would it? In order for it to be a temptation, you have to be able to yield to the thing. Well, Jesus never said, oh, devil, you know you lying. You can't give me these kingdoms. The Bible said, we read it right at the very beginning, and after 40 days, the tempter came to him, to tempt him. So when the tempter said, if you fall down and worship me, all these kingdoms and the glory of them, I'll give you why? Because it's been delivered unto me. You know when it was delivered unto him? When Adam sinned. When that dummy sinned, he turned the whole thing over to the devil, and he's been running this earth realm, and that's the reason why it's so messed up and chaotic. And we'll find it out a little bit later when we get into some of these other scriptures. You'll find out that the devil is called the God of this world. And that's why it's so screwed up and messed up and botched up and all the rest of the negatives you can say. But now see, he came as a tempter and he came and did the same thing to Jesus as he did to Eve. He said, if thou be the son of God, I mean, if you're really a Christian, I mean, if you're really filled with the spirit, I mean, if you were really healed, if you were really this, that, and the other, if he can get you to doubt that, he's got you right where he wants you. All right, let's look at something else. Look at Matthew chapter four. Matthew, the fourth chapter. See, we're just, we're reading the Bible now. I want you to see it from the word of God for yourself. Don't take my word for it. We're going to take the word of God. We're talking now about the fact of Satan and who he is. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the who? Now this is Matthew's account of the same thing we just read in Luke. But notice what he's called. He's called the what? The devil. It says, now listen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. This is the Holy Ghost. Now, you certainly ought to know that the Holy Ghost would know whether there's a devil or not. Huh? I said, huh? I mean, don't you think the Holy Spirit would know whether there's a devil or not? Now, notice what he led him up in this, into the wilderness 
to do. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of to be tempted of the devil. Now, you know why he was led up there to be tempted of the devil? Because he was led up there to be put in the same position that Adam and Eve were put in at the beginning. The very same situation. From the moment that Adam sinned, the human race was plunged into destruction. The moment Jesus won out over the devil, the stage was set for mankind to become the children of God and live in the greatness and the fullness of that which God provides through Jesus Christ. So Jesus was given the same opportunity that Adam was given in the beginning, to represent the human race and to be the representative for all time and eternity, and he won out on that situation because he put Satan under his feet. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Look at John chapter 8, the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. We're talking about the devil and demons and what you can do about them. John chapter 8, <clears throat> and this time we'll look at verse 44. And this is Jesus speaking. Now, you know that Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. I mean, if anybody ought to know whether there's a devil or not, Jesus ought to know. Isn't that true? Don't you think that? I mean, don't you agree with that? I mean, if anybody should know whether there's really a devil or not, Jesus ought to know. Are you going to take the word of some preacher standing behind some pulpit somewhere in a robe with some stuff on it telling you that there is no devil? I mean, are you going to even be so silly to believe, in, believe Fred Price as opposed to God's word? If you take my word over the word of the Bible, you're a bigger fool than I thought. And I didn't call your name, so don't get upset. Why, you shouldn't call people fools. Did I mention your name? Then just be quiet. <laughs> Only one that answers, the one that's the fool. <laughs> All right, John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking. Ye are of your father, the what? Devil. devil. So there must be a devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Personal pronoun, he, him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Talking about the devil. All right, look now at John chapter 12. 12th chapter of John. Now John chapter 12 and this time we'll look at verse 31, or verse 30, 30 first, and then 31. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Prince of this world. We're going to find out who that prince is in a minute. Look at the 13th chapter of John. John chapter 13. John the 13th chapter. And uh, we will look at verse, John chapter 13, and we'll look at the second verse. And supper being ended, the what? Devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Who betrayed him? The devil put it into the heart of Judas, and I'm out of time. Praise God for this powerful message. I hope you were blessed by part one of this message by Apostle K.C. Price Sr. entitled The Devil, Demons, and What You Can Do About Them. I certainly was. I know by now you should, without a shadow of doubt, know who the devil and his demons are and their role in the destruction in your lives and that you have been given authority over him and his demons through the blood-bought covenant of the Lord Jesus the Christ. 
Episode number two will air tomorrow evening. If you have any questions about this message, please send your comments or questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to support this podcast financially by sowing in good ground, and we teach the truth, and that's good ground, please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and show your support by contributing an amount of your choice. Now until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.